Hello, hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of The Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to be here with you because my next two guests for this week and next week are my soul brothers, my fellow personal development junkies, and the founders of Next Level University and Next Level University Podcast, which is a top 100 podcast who has had some heavy hitters on as guests, including David Meltzer, Dean Graziosi, and Lori Harder. Their podcast has been heard in over 90 countries and as of this episode has had over 600 episodes of their podcast. Holy moly. Both Spike and I have been blessed to not only be guests on Kevin and Alan's podcast, but also to be friends with these guys. And while I could have brought both Kevin and Alan on as one episode, they both have such unique perspectives and work together so collaboratively well as a team. I wanted to share each of their perspectives because it takes a lot to build a podcast that has the level of reputation that Next Level University has, as well as the level of guests, and that has the mission, the heart behind it, which both Kevin and Alan bring to the table. In this episode with Kevin, I want you to really listen for the level of heart that this guy has for what he does. And it truly is the passion that drove them to being where they're at now, being able to attract the quality and the caliber of guests that they have, and to have built their business to where it is today. And I am so proud to call these guys not only mastermind buddies, but friends. You will hear in this episode Kevin's unabashed authenticity and his vulnerability. You'll learn what motivates him, what got him started and got him through those years of doing a podcast, believing in the vision and not making any money at it. And you will really see the tenacity and the resilience that both Kevin and Alan have in their own unique ways. So with that, I give you Kevin Palmieri. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Princess and the Bee. I am so excited to be here with you today with one of my amazing buds, a fellow boy. I say a fellow boy, but that's just because I have one growing in my stomach. Kevin Palmieri, I am so excited to have you on the show. I have been blessed to be on his podcast twice. And the reason I wanted to bring Kevin and Alan here, because this is really kind of a two-parter, is these guys are growth mindset on steroids. 
without the actual drugs of steroids. And though they are ripped like mofos and it is amazing and they are such beautiful souls. And Kevin, I am so honored and excited to have you here on The Princess and the Bee. Kim, thank you so very much. I appreciate you and I appreciate all the kind words and I reflect all those back to you. It's a, a genuine, amazing friendship we have and I'm looking forward to, to chatting with your audience today. So I know that when we first got to know each other, your podcast has grown exponentially. Originally, it was called Hyperconscious Podcast. You shifted it to Next Level University. What does it mean to live next level? Ah, so like you alluded to, it used to be hyperconscious, which is a new level of awareness. In the dictionary, hyperconscious basically means understanding more, right? It means having a new level of awareness. It means acute awareness in the, by definition. And we think that the first step in any change is a new level of awareness. So a next level life is you getting to a new level of awareness, a new level of habits, a new level of bravery, a new level of business, a new level of love, a new level of life. We literally say we help you get to the next level in life, love, health, and wealth because we want to help people well-rounded. Maybe you're afraid to do a video on social media. That's the next level for you. Maybe you're afraid to pitch your product or service. That's the next level for you. And I think that's the beautiful thing is no matter where you are, there's a next level. There's a next level for me. There's a next level for you. And it's just a matter of stepping into your greatness and, and giving yourself permission to be that next level. I think that's super important. So looking at next level, what was the next level journey that you went on? Take me back about 10 years ago. And how have you put yourself through your own next level university? So I have a very interesting story where I didn't go to college. I was the, and I have nothing against this. This I didn't uh, go to college either. So we're all good on that <laughs> I one. Know, I know. I know. I have nothing against the occupation, but I was the gas station townie. Like I worked at a gas station in my twenties and I jumped from job to job. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I always joked with my friends that I was going to be the friend who ended up in jail because that's kind of how my family was. So I was the person at that point who had the identity of somebody who wasn't going to be successful. Looking back, that was a huge negative, but I think it actually served me. But when I was 25, I had, by all outside standards, a dream life. I was in the best shape I'd ever been. My girlfriend was a model. I had a six-figure job. I had a brand new car. I had a brand new apartment. Like I had everything that any young man could want, but inside I was miserable. I wasn't happy. I was putting on a show a lot of the time. And my girlfriend at the time knew this and she left me. And when she left me, one of the reasons was because she wanted to chase her dreams. She wanted to move to California and chase her dreams. And I told her not to. And I still regret that to this day. And her and I are on really good terms and she moved to California. So I'm very happy for her. But when she left me, that was the first time I had to look in the mirror and say, like, you're not the person that everybody thinks you are. Yeah, I have a nice car and I have muscles, but like inside, I'm terrified of everything. I'm terrified of my own shadow. So when she left me, that was like, that was my initial dive into personal development. I didn't even know who Tony Robbins was before that. I had never read a book about personal development ever, ever. I listened to The Secret. That was the first thing I ever did. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Like, what does this mean? And I know after my girlfriend left for the next two weeks, 
it was like rock bottom. It was really, really hard. But then I started to say positive affirmations. I started to try to shift my habits. And I remember laying in bed saying, I am intelligent. I am handsome. I am enough. And this year I will make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. Unfortunately, you'll see that that is a pattern in my life. And I leaned very heavily on, I will make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. So I got promoted that year to a foreman of the weatherization company I worked for. And we traveled up and down the East Coast of the United States, working on state and government buildings to make them more energy efficient. If you don't know what that means, just think of it as construction. So I was on the road constantly. Okay. And that year when I said that I'm going to make the most money I've ever made, I was on the road for 10 months out of the year, staying in crusty hotels, like not nice hotels, working long hours, driving six hours from Massachusetts to New Jersey, working an eight hour day, like staying up for 24 or 25 hours at a time. But I loved it because I was making progress on what I wanted to make progress on. And we got to the end of the year. I was sitting at my kitchen table. I opened my pay stub and I was like, I wanted to make six figures at 26 years old with no college degree before any of my friends. And I did it, but nothing changed. I felt the same way as I did when my girlfriend left. And I had to have that realization again. And I started Hyperconscious Podcast later that, that month or the next month, I think, because it was like most of my life I lived unconsciously. What is the opposite of unconscious, hyperconscious? So that became my little passion project. And the job that brought me the money and the significance slowly became something that took away my happiness because it took away time from the podcast. So the next year started off just like the, the year prior. I'm on the road every week, driving, staying up, not sleeping, not eating healthy, living out of hotels. And I felt further and further away from my purpose because now I thought I, I actually had a purpose for once in my life and it just kept getting worse. I was calling out of work. I was literally waking up at 2 a.m., driving five hours straight to the job site and working, working out after. And then Friday, I would do the, the opposite. So it was just, it was a bad, I was in a very bad place. And it got to the point where I was in a hotel in New Jersey and I was sitting on the edge of the bed and I was lacing up my work boots and I had done this hundreds of times before. And the best way to explain it is there was just so much noise in my head. It was like there was 10 televisions on and every single one of these TVs was on a different station. And they're saying, you're trapped. You're stuck here. You're not smart enough. You can't leave this job behind because you'll never make this amount of money again. What will your family think? What will your friends think? And the biggest one is how do you really think you could succeed as a podcaster? And in that moment, I genuinely felt like taking my life would be the best thing because it would get rid of all my problems and I wouldn't have to worry about it. Luckily, I have Alan in my life and I sent Alan a text and said, hey, man, I'm having some really bad thoughts and I don't know what I should do. And he said, Kev, you've grown so much over the last year, the last couple of years, but you haven't changed what you're doing. I think we just need to make a change. And three or four months later, I left my job. And I went full-time in a podcasting and coaching and speaking. And here we are, I don't know, four years later with 600 episodes and a bunch of clients. And it's, it's uh, when I say living the dream, some people laugh at me, but I genuinely am. I am living my dream and I'm very blessed to, to get the opportunity to do that and make sure I show up and earn it. 
So how do you source your significance now, now that you've gotten to this place of achieving so much and especially on the outside, many entrepreneurs would look, many aspiring entrepreneurs would look at you in 600 episodes and be like, oh my God, I want to have that. How do you source your significance differently than you used to? I think for me, it's been understanding that my value as a human being is based upon how much I can help others now. Before it was, it was the nice things I had or the, the things that people said about my body before was like, "Mm, I need that. Now I want to know how I helped you with the show or how our coaching call went or what you're going through. I think I went from being very significance driven because it had to fill a need in myself to being contribution driven because I want to fill the needs of other people. And I think I used this analogy yesterday when Alan and I were recording, I picture goals and dreams and visions as a tall ladder. When I used to work at my old job, I would look up at the top of the gym because we'd work in gymnasiums a lot. And it's like a 40 foot ladder climb. You don't know what part you're working on until you put the ladder up against the wall and climb to the top. You don't know what you want until you get it and realize, oh, this ain't it. And when I did that, I think I was blessed with a gift because now I know more at a high level what I don't want. I think growth and contribution, and I know you know this because this is, this is Tony's jam, but growth and contribution are something that are so underutilized because I think more people than not are putting their peas in the wrong order. They're trying to find something profitable and pretend they're passionate about it. When if you found something that you were super passionate about, you'd be willing to play the long game and hang in there long enough to make it profitable. And I think that's why, and you know this, Kim, I'm sure it was similar for you. I didn't make any money for two years as a podcaster, like nothing. I didn't even know I was supposed to get clients. And it was like, oh, if I want to survive, I should probably learn how to pay my bills. And now, you know, I think I wanted to do this as a job. So I had to figure out how. It wasn't that I fell into this and I had to figure out how to love this. I already did. And I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, I didn't make any money in my business for one one and a half years, (laughs) but that was more from fear and doubt Mm. rather than just like not knowing how. That was just my own excuses that just got in the way. And it was getting pregnant with Declan that really just transformed it where I was like, this person of who I am is not who I want to be the mother of my children. And I knew I had to shift really fast. Mm. So how does identity play into going to the next level? Like you've changed your identity so powerfully. And yet on the outside, like you're still good looking buff. Like you've got an amazing on the outside external, but you're also happy. So like, what does that identity, how does that identity play into living next level? Uh, the identity is the first shift that you need to make. Un- I don't want to say unfortunately. The way I'm wired and I'm learning this more and more is that I don't do that first for some reason. I don't know why, but I do 17 things every day. Like I have a system of success. You know how regimented and disciplined we are. And I. Oh boy, these guys are like <laughs> the kings of discipline and routine, like talk about rituals that Kevin and Alan are just the rock stars. If you want a ritual that is like formulaic for, and, and 
like you guys are ridiculous about it. It's amazing. <laughs> like I admire that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. For me, I I'm very good at taking action. That's part of my identity. I'm an action taker. The second I have a new distinction, I have to take an action. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a sickness in a good way, but I have to close the energetic loop of knowing and then taking action so I can know more. That's part of my identity. Now, most people don't operate that way. Most people operate from, you already know what to do, right? So if, if this resonates with you, if you're listening to this, if you want to make more money, you probably know how. If you want to be in better shape, you can Google that. The problem is your identity is that of a person who is not an athlete. Your identity is that of a person who lives paycheck to paycheck. Your identity is that of a person who attracts negative people into your life. So I think that we have to start by changing the way you think about yourself. We have to start by changing about what you're imagining. And we have to start changing your belief systems by just creating a new input. If I come into your life and say, you already know how to exercise. The problem is you've convinced yourself that you can't. You look stupid in the gym. You can't stick to a diet. I think it's just about re-ingraining the identity that we already have because the identity we have probably isn't serving us at the highest level. Even mine, I might look very successful from the outside, but I still have my stuff. I'm still working through that every day of not enoughness, of not valuable. Same and I would, here. right? And I think it's super important, Kim. And I always appreciate that about you, that you're, you're successful, but you don't necessarily put yourself on the pedestal of, I don't have any problems. And I think that's super important because everybody wants to work with somebody who's going through something. Everybody does, you know? And I think putting people up on a pedestal, that's where you get trapped. Because as uh, my husband said, is that when someone's up on a pedestal, they can get knocked down with relationships. And that, I think that's true in any relationship, especially the relationship that you have with yourself. Like if I were to put myself up on a pedestal, of like, look at what I've achieved. Well, at some point, my achievements, if, if I'm not performing at that level, like if I go through a season, like I'm about to go through with giving birth and, and focusing more on being a mom for the next few months. And, and in that season, if I'm not performing at the level that I thought, you know, oh, well, I'm also, you know, closing and doing all the, the, the business and all that stuff. Like I then get into comparison mode. Mm -hmm. And I think that once you stop comparing yourself to others, you start comparing yourself to yourself and past versions of yourself versus allowing for that evolution of your identity. Yeah. I think comparing to my old self is good as long as it's done right. And like you said, I think you got to give yourself a little grace. We're in this personal development bubble where it's like grind, don't sleep, no excuses. I just found out yesterday that my car engine is blown up. So my car engine is no good and it's $10,000 to fix. So I'm going to get a new car most likely. Today, I had seven or eight calls booked. I moved them. I move them because I need time and space energetically and on the clock so I can find myself a new car so I can have a little bit of certainty in my life so I can perform at a higher level. And I've been trying to really lean into that, particularly with clients of like, look, I want you to take a bubble bath every day, but I also want you to do the, the important work that you should be doing. It doesn't have to be all or nothing, 
It has to be a better balance for human beings. The problem is most people are balanced the wrong way. Some people grind, 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 burn out, grind, 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 burn out. And that's Alan, who you guys will hear from at some point. I know you're a grinder. You grind, grind, grind. I am, but I've, I've shifted so I, I've much seen. in just the past few months with um, doing the breath work and trauma release certification. Cause I realized that that grinding mentality, it's so much based in a fight flight trauma response from childhood that I realized, especially from being in Australia, that's not how I wanted to live my life. And the beautiful part about living in Australia is people live to live and work to live. They don't live to work. And it's shifted my perspective, just being here radically. But I completely agree with you is that personal development bubble is like, there's the two sides. There's like the grind, grind, grind. And then there's like the flow and just manifest it and, you know, relax into it. And I think you have to find what works for you. And like you said, one of the things I've been saying lately is know your grind. I want to have the most successful podcast in the personal development industry, but that's going to require a different level of everything. And whether I get there or not is that doesn't even matter because it's what it's going to create of me in the process. But that's what I want. If you just want to start a podcast and you want to do it for a passion project, you're not going to travel across the country to interview people. Most likely you're not going to buy a studio because it wouldn't make sense. So I think that's an important distinction is like, what do you actually want? That's also super important. And then figure out what side you're on. People who avoid hard work like the, well, I just go with the flow and I know it's going to work out if it's meant to. Okay. But it might benefit you to go a little bit more to the other side of like, let's get a little bit more disciplined and a little bit more concrete. The other side, it's like, yeah, you could work 20 hours a day if you wanted to, but what if you like took space to meditate? Like, do you think that would be beneficial? It's just the drive to five. A lot of us are on one extreme. And if we can drive to the middle, I think that's where the most progress is made. And that's where you can actually stay. There's no burn down. I'd rather have consistent 70%, 80% days than spotty 100s because you lose momentum. Oh, that is so good. That's from Lori yeah. Harder. Lori Harder said that on our show, so I can't take credit for it. Yeah, but that is so good. So with consistency, how is it that you stay so consistent and also maintain that level of balance? Because I think that's something that I, I went on a rant recently about how why that's never asked of men. It's asked of me all the time as a woman of like, how do you do it all as a mother and a, and a business owner and a wife and all that? And I'm like, let's start asking the guys that too. Like, how do you balance? Because I know you have an amazing relationship and who you love so much. And you guys are so cute on social media. Mm -hmm. And that relationship has transformed you. And so that's high priority in your life. So mm -hmm. How do you balance and how do you stay consistent with the commitments that you're making? I focus on building my character. At the end of the day, if something goes wrong, it's, I don't want to say it's my fault, but it's my responsibility. If I have a conversation with my partner, Taryn, who thank you for all the love. She is the, the sweetest. If we have a conversation and I lose my temper, that's my fault. That's my responsibility. It's not hers. And I hold myself at a very high standard. So when it comes to the balance, for me, it's like I'm always playing out what I'm doing now into the future. 
I have it where I can do everything I need to do in like three hours. I can get everything on my system done in three hours. If we need to go to the doctors or if we have this plan or this date or we're going to look at this thing, I can make that work. But that's all based on the fact that when I do have children, I want to be present. I've seen too many entrepreneurs who are traveling around the world and their families are at home. Like, I'm afraid of that. I don't want to do that. We've already had the conversation of like, what's acceptable for me to travel from your perspective? Once a month, like one week out of the month. Cool. Perfect. With COVID, I can do all this stuff remotely anyway. So it doesn't, it's not a huge thing. What I would say is, and you'll know this is the answer I would give. It's only balanced because it's in my system. So my relationship is balanced because every night I say what I'm grateful for to Taryn, right? Every Sunday, we've been Jeffing on this, so we got to get back on this. But we were doing check-ins on Sunday where we were going through the five love languages, the six basic human needs, and just saying like, what am I, how have I done this week in meeting your needs? Doing that, like trying to make sure we're having a certain amount of intimate moments throughout the day, but it's on the system. I kind of only do the things that I think matter and I either delegate or eliminate the other stuff. And you cannot delegate or eliminate your relationship. I think a lot of people forget that. But that's what I would say. you got to figure out, first of all, what are you actually doing right now? Are you getting the results you want? Okay, what's working to get you those results? What's not? Let's just shift what's not working a little bit and just start throwing stuff at the wall and see what happens. And then you can work that in. I think we get a lot of us get pigeonholed into what we're doing. When you're the one who decided in the first place, you can, you can make another decision now. It doesn't matter. That so speaks to the power of choice and decision. As you know, like my ownership is like my number one value. One of our mutual friends, Summer Scalero, who is also on our, my podcast and yours, I believe. And mm -hmm. she, she calls me the queen of ownership because it just is such a high value and priority of taking responsibility. And I love I would love for you to break down what is the difference from your perspective, taking responsibility and putting yourself at fault. Mm, interesting. I think putting yourself at fault is a scarce place of making yourself feel bad to close the loop energetically of like, if you said to me, Kev, you were late to this interview. I put myself at fault. It's only because I want the feedback to stop. Like, stop yelling at me. I know it's my bad. Versus taking responsibility. I think when you take responsibility, you're creating an opportunity for you to get better from it. That's what I would say. I would say one is a positive feedback where you're going to take that and do better, where the other one, you're closed off to doing better because you're so focused on the quote unquote failure that just happened. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I think with, taking responsibility, it's different because putting yourself at fault is shifting yourself from being on the victim end of the drama triangle to on the villain end of the drama triangle where you're the villain, but it still puts you in the freaking drama triangle. Yeah. So you're still in it. And then there's the hero where you slap on your hero cape and then try to fix it. And not everybody needs their problems fixed by you. Yes. And so that, that pendulum, there's, there's that beautiful balance of where in the middle there is ownership. So what is your vision and how do you lean into your building your character to become the person who is achieving that vision every day? I think it starts with core values. One of my fears was always that I would lose my relatability 
Like that, honestly, that's genuinely a huge fear of mine as I get more successful. And I focus on that. And I, I do one-on-one calls with our listeners and people literally have my phone number. And, you know, I, some of these things are going to have to change at some point, but for me, it's, it's very important. And I think that understanding the result that I want will only last to the degree that my character can handle it. You see a lot of people that get things that they didn't earn and it, it goes off the rails. Like Tara and I have had this conversation so many times. We'll watch a movie with a kid who's like a superstar, Macaulay Culkin, and we'll literally Google them after to see what happened to them. Nine times out of 10, unfortunately, these people went through tremendous trauma. I think it's because when you get a level of success before you even know who you are, you have no idea what to do with it. You don't have core values when you're six. You want to play and, and eat stuff, right? Like you don't know what's going on. So I think it's always checking in and figuring out how did I show up? Is it in alignment with my core values? Like, was I on time? Yes. Cool. I love that. Huge on that. Was I patient? Awesome. Love that. So Alan and I, back in the day, we went to this mansion for some networking event and there was wine there and I got a little wine drunk and the guy who was driving us back, who was doing like the taxi service was like, all right, put your seatbelts on. I've been in like 15 accidents. And I remember I made fun of this person, like not in a funny way. Like I wasn't being a nice person. I, there's a reason I still remember that. Like I will never, ever forget that because that wasn't best version of Kevin. That wasn't who I aspire to be. I don't want that to come out in 15 years that I was being a, an unkind person, not because of the press, but because of me. That's not who I am. So I think it goes back to taking responsibility of like, what would the best version of Kim do? What would the best version of Kevin do? Because that's the only person you can compare yourself to. I, I use the analogy or the example, have you ever thrown a piece of paper, like a paper towel into the trash and missed? It falls behind the trash and you're like, well, it doesn't matter. It's not a huge deal. It's just a paper towel. What would the best version of you do? They'd get it and they'd put it in the trash. And I'm trying to, to keep that up. But I think it's also an awareness that if my character does not keep up with my results, the results will go away or something bad will happen and I'll misspeak or, or something. And I think some of it's from fear, honestly, but I think some fear is warranted. And I think as long as it pushes you in a good direction and you control it, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. I, th I don't think fear is something to be fearful of necessarily because it's biologically wired into us to always have it. So there's a reason why the divine providence built that into our brains. The question is, is that serving you or is it holding you back? So when you, when you coach, when you're in that space, coaching someone, what is it that you are listening for predominantly? Because I know we have a lot of coaches that listen to this podcast. Yeah. I, for me, it's usually limiting beliefs because limiting beliefs and patterns and like, if then statements, like if this happens, then this happens. It's like, honestly, identity. And this is something that I've been learning a, a lot more that when I said earlier that I'm different. I'm more different than I realize because I don't even have to know why I'm doing something. You just have to tell me it'll make me successful. And as long as it's within my core beliefs and values, I'll do it. That's just the way I'm wired. I didn't know that. 
I hired a bodybuilding coach, not because I didn't know how to bodybuild. I just wanted him to tell me what to do because I knew I would do it. I know how to do it. But I realized very quickly that most people aren't like that. And that was like a new distinction. So I think it starts with pattern recognition, understanding the identity, understanding the story you're telling yourself, understanding past traumas and how they are affecting you today because they all are. And then it's just one of the things I've seen is being there for somebody, supporting them when they get outside of their comfort zone might be the biggest thing I've ever seen shift somebody. So, you know, Amy on our team, Amy's the most amazing person. She's the sweetest. She messaged me on Snapchat, I don't know, four years ago and said, hey, Kev, I'm afraid to walk up to strangers in public. Do you have any advice? And I said, yes, meet me at the mall Thursday at 2.30 and we'll go fear chase. And she met me at the mall and her and I went up and talked to strangers and got out of our comfort zones. And by the end of it, we were riding these mechanical zoo animals around the mall, like just fear chasing. And now she is on the team. She runs our Facebook group. She does interviews in our Facebook group. Like she's live all the time. She's been interviewed on other podcasts. I think it's because I was there for her and I showed her that, look, we can do this together and it's safe. Nobody's going to make fun of you. And if they do, the reason they're making fun of you is because they're jealous that they're not riding the zoo animals and they don't have the, the courage to do that. That's all. So I think it's all that. But I think depending on the person, I think they need a level of support. You know, if you're early in your journey and you don't believe you can do it, you need somebody by your side who's doing it already and can show you like, look, I was in the same position you were. I was in the same position. I was terrified of going to events. My first speech, I was waiting for lightning to strike me so I don't have to show up, but I still did it and I'm glad I did. I wasn't comfortable podcasting for the first 150 episodes, genuinely. Like that's the stuff that matters. We're all humans. We're all afraid. I think we have to connect on that and not, Put, like you said earlier, put ourselves on a pedestal. Yeah, I think that that vulnerability is such a key piece mm-hmm. to just op- breaking down the barriers. Because, I mean, gosh, I remember when I first started my business, I was scared to get on coaching calls with people that could help me because I was so scared of being sold to. Now I love selling. Now mm-hmm. sales is like my, my bestie. It's my friend. But I was scared. I was so scared of putting myself out there. I was so, I had all these fears. And I also was scared to just have a vulnerable conversation and have somebody see me, like mm-hmm. have somebody see me when I was down. Like that's a hard one sometimes for high achievers, especially when you've achieved a lot in the past. And it's like when you're having a down moment. So how do you navigate those days? Cause we all get them like those days or those moments or those times where there are those down moments where you're not feeling a hundred percent, where you're feeling not even 70%, you're maybe feeling 30. Mm. How do you navigate that? For me, it's an understanding that my 30% now is better than my old 100, like genuinely, genuinely. And I think it's also leaning into the value and the confidence of I think the fear around showing your weakness is everybody's afraid of everybody else seeing their biggest insecurity. And when you start getting rid of some of your insecurities, then it's not a piece in you that you're worried about people seeing. And I think, I think having a tight circle is very important. You know, our t- we have 11 people on our team and 
we can t- like we talk, we have open, honest conversations about where we're struggling. And I think that's very important because nobody makes you feel bad about struggling. We're all trying to grow. And with growth, growth requires you to stretch. It requires at some points pain. It requires reflection. And I think that when you're in a community of people who are doing that, people see that. They know. But if you're going outside of that to somebody who wants you to be 100% all the time, it's easy to be 100% if you're not adding stuff on. I think the community, Kim, it does something different. Like we've seen that with our team. We have so many amazing, we call them next level family members because we don't have fans, we have family. They message the team and they're like jumping on calls and they're talking to each other. And for the first time in their life, they feel like they can actually be themselves because their families aren't saying your idea is stupid. Like, what do you mean you want to be a speaker? Like nobody wants to listen to you speak. Of course they do. Of course they do. Everybody wants to hear you speak. Every one of your people wants to hear you speak. You just got to start or your business is dumb or why are you reading books? Like you're going to end up unrelatable or different or, you know, when you find your people, everything else gets a little bit easier. And I think that's the theme for me is like when I started surrounding myself with next level people, it was easier to be next level. Like we're mentored by Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer wants me to fail because he wants me to grow. Evan Carmichael wants me to fail because he wants me to grow. We have great people in our lives. And I think that's one of the things that people don't talk about enough. Like, I want to make sure that when I get to the top, I still talk about the fact that like, I had so many people who lifted me. It wasn't me. This isn't a, I was a solopreneur at one point, but even when I was, I still had people in my life that were helping me. And I think that's an important distinction. Yes, I totally agree that the community that you surround yourself with is huge. And also the perspective of how far you've come. Like you mentioned with Amy, like how how far her journey took her from being scared to speak to strangers to now doing that on a daily basis inside your Facebook community and, and building that family for your podcast and for your business. So why is perspective necessary for commitment? Mm, Great question. Because a commitment doesn't happen right away. A commitment is a long game process. So perspective, I think perspective can go two ways. You can see a perspective of who you used to be versus who you are now. And you can also have the perspective of who you are now versus who you aspire to be. And I think that your perspective shifts as you go. I think at some point, your confidence shifts to a level it's never been before, and you stop comparing yourself as much to how far you have to go, and you start the perspective of, yeah, but I remember I used to be this. And I think that's when there's like this paradigm shift. When you stop saying, I could never get there, and you start thinking, I've already gotten this far, I think that's such a big shift for people, especially if you didn't believe you'd get there in the first place. Then you're playing with house money. Then you're playing with house money. So, you know, some days I wake up and it's like, I can't believe I've lasted four years like doing what I'm doing. Then I look back to Kevin who was smoking weed on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. wondering why he wasn't successful. Then it's like, that's perspective. Like that is a lot of perspective. I think it's also important because now, And it might not be this way for listeners, but it will be if you keep doing what you're doing. Now I see people who are doing what I want to do 
and I actually understand how they got there. Like now it makes sense why Dave Meltzer is Dave Meltzer. Now I understand you've been doing this for 30 years every day and you're a genius. Like, okay, that makes sense. Evan Carmichael has 6,500 videos on YouTube, 6,500 videos. That's a lot of videos. That's why Evan Carmichael is successful. When you get to see and speak to these people, you realize that there's patterns. And if you're already doing the patterns that they did, you realize through perspective that I might be onto something here. Like I'm actually on the right path. So I think it's super important to always check back and use perspective as your friend and not your enemy. Because I think a lot of us use it as our enemy in the beginning. And I think when that shift happens, it's way easier to use it as, as gasoline instead of a, a cinder block. Or instead of lighting your car on fire. Yes. <laughs> yes. So looking at these incredible mentors that you've been able to surround yourself with, what what has mentorship been to you and been to your growth? Because who you were before was not super high achiever, if I'm correct. Like that's, how did you shift into having such big goals and such a big vision? Was it incremental or just leaning into that vision every single day? It was matching up ambition with belief and Honestly, Alan's done that more than anybody for me, genuinely. You know, Alan, Alan, when you guys hear, you'll know. He, 10 out of 10 belief. Like there's nothing he doesn't believe he can achieve, right? And, and that, I've absorbed so much of that. I've absorbed so much of that. I've spent so much time with him over the last four years. Like we record five episodes a week. We're on the phone every day. I talk to him every day. So through osmosis, I've achieved a level of belief that I didn't think I could have. But it's also been very incremental of at one point, the numbers don't, I don't want you to think of the numbers from like a vanity thing. Like that's not why I'm saying them, but I wanted to have a net worth of $7 million. I was like, oh, that'd be amazing. $7 million. We went and saw Oprah and she donated $2 million at the drop of the hat. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to be able to do that. $7 million. I'm going to give up a third of my net worth. Like that's not going to work. It doesn't work. So I changed what I wanted to accrue in terms of finances. I've changed that sense. I think for me and a lot of people out there, as your belief builds, your goals will build too. I would start setting goals based on like where you think you are, shoot them a little higher than you feel comfortable. Don't set your goals based on what you think you can get. Set your goals based on what you actually want. Now, I wouldn't say like, oh, you know what? I want to be a trillionaire. Even though like if you don't think it, then there's a fine line. Like, don't just throw a number out there. Go with your intuition and lean into what that is. But well, I love the fact that you just said, don't just throw a number out there because so many people throw out, you know, seven figure business owner, million dollar and like $20 million 10 year vision. And I'm like, is that really your vision? Or is that what society and social media and programming has said that you should want actually for your business when that's not really supporting the lifestyle that you want. Yeah. And, and that's such a good point. I, we have a friend and she said, I want to have a net worth of $5 billion. And I was like, okay, that's awesome. I know you don't though, because you want to have a family and you want to be able to hang out occasionally. Like it ain't going to happen if that's what you're doing. So I think it's important to understand that. Like, I don't know what it's going to take to even achieve my goals yet. I might get to the point where it's like, eh, I think maybe I want to pivot this. Maybe I don't want to work 
12 hours a day, every day for the rest of my life. Maybe that's not what I signed up for. But I think for most people, from what I've seen, the giant majority of people, it's the belief. Your level of success will probably be a little bit higher than your level of belief. And every time you start to believe more, I would say you should start to think more. Think more about what's possible because what's possible now, yes, it's the same as what's possible always, but not if you don't think it is. If you don't think starting a podcast is possible, it's not because you won't take the action. If your identity is, I'm not this person, then it won't happen unless it happens by accident. So I would say as your belief raises, your identity changes. I'm the type of person. I'm a speaker. Oh, okay. That's a little bit different. I'm a podcaster. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm a peak performer. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. That shifts things. I'm an amazing partner. Ooh, that shifts things. As your belief raises, I think your identity changes. And then based on those identities, you have to set new goals. And I think it's a rinse and repeat. So true. I think that I forget the author, but she wrote, I was just introduced to her this past weekend and she talked about the circle of comfort and that most people leap from the circle of comfort into the circle of excess. Now we see this in like detrimental patterns of leaping from like, I'm just like not going to drink. And then suddenly the weekend hits and suddenly it's like drinking all the time. Mm. But there's also that on a, on a growth level as well. There are, there are experiences that sometimes pull you out into that space of excess where it's so uncomfortable, you just retreat back into comfort versus there's another circle in between, b- between comfort and excess, which is learning, mm-hmm. which is enough uncomfortability that it stretches you, that there's a little bit of pain, that there's some discomfort, but it's not throwing you out into the, the freezing cold pool where you want to jump back into the jacuzzi as fast as possible. So Dave Meltzer has that. He's, it's the comfort, learning. So if you think of a bullseye, the center is comfort, the next ring is learning, and then the outside is anxiety. And that's I think that's where a lot of people live. And we've seen that on the team, Kim. If you're on the team, we will literally give you opportunities that you're not ready for yet. Because we have a platform. It's like, if you've never been a podcaster or a speaker, the odds of you doing a Facebook Live interviewing somebody else are pretty low. We'll just throw you on there. We'll give you like, this is what you do, Amy. You're going to crush it. Naturally, it'll be a little overwhelming. Afterwards, we'll go, we make sure that we don't go back into the comfort zone. We jump to learning and say like, okay, what went well? This went well. What didn't go well? Okay. What can we do better next time? So we're trying to control the zones where people live because our awareness of what it'll take is a little bit higher because we've done it. And we can also say, oh, you're in the anxiety zone. Take a day. Like maybe today's not the day. Maybe we don't do it today. Maybe we bring you into comfort and then learning tomorrow. It's, it's a constant stretch always. So what, what is the next phase of growth for you? What are you looking to grow into or who are you looking to grow into? And what are the practices that you're putting in place to, to set yourself up for that? I would say the next phase for me, honestly, it's more of the same, but at a higher level. So right now we're coming up on 400,000 downloads and we want to have at least a million by year's end. So that's, that's the goal there. 
we have a six figure business, which I'm very grateful for, but we're trying to exponentially grow that more impact. Like when people say, what is your goal? It's an exponential version of, of what I'm doing. And I would say belief. If I had to say one word and the thing I'm focused in, it's, it's making sure that my level of belief continues to rise as my level of results or whatever is that keeps going. Cause that's always been the bottleneck for me. And again, I'm lucky cause I'm in the corner or I have somebody in my corner who believes in himself more than any human being I've ever met. Um, as you know, and that's helped me a ton, but I want to make sure that I'm not leaning on that. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm adapting, I'm evolving, I'm growing. And then I would also say life stuff. Like as I, as you and I talked about, I getting a new place with my partner, we're talking about marriage next year. So a lot of that stuff being the, the grinding broke entrepreneur for the first few years, you know, kind of sucks making sure that this is way more sustainable and that I'm actually building the systems in place where this thing will run and it's going to be an actual business. I think that's the best way to say it. We have a podcast we're speakers, we're coaches, but we have an actual business running behind the scenes that I think is super important for the long run. And we're playing the long game. And, and I think that's an important distinction that it might not look like we're winning at the highest level now. And that's okay. Cause it's not about looking like you're winning, but we're setting things in place so we can feel like we're winning and we can help other people win and it'll be sustainable and it'll be scalable. And that's the goal. That's what we're playing for. Amen. You, you said one of my words for this year, which is systematize, systematize and simplify. Last year it was trust, but simplify and systematize are my words. So I'd love to shift gears real quick on what makes your partnerships, both with your partner, Taryn, and your partnership with Alan work? Because I know a lot of business owners go into business. They've got the passion, especially with, with a business or a podcast or something, a passion project that you're starting and there's the passion and there's the drive and the, like the rah, rah and the excitement of getting it started. But you've been able to sustain a successful partnership for years with Alan, with building that and also and with Taryn as well. So what is the core foundation of your partnership that goes beyond passion? So with Alan specifically, it's core beliefs, core values, and core goals. Like we want the same thing. Neither of us has to be right on how we get there. And I think ego. When we met, it's a long story, but I played spin the bottle in Alan's basement when we were, I don't know, 10, no, eight maybe. So I've known Alan for a long time, but we haven't always been this close. I was super insecure. And Alan had a, an ego as a defense mechanism. My insecurity was my defense mechanism. And when we met, we call it the drive to five. I was a zero. I was super insecure. I was afraid of everything. I wasn't confident. I was very pessimistic. Alan was a 10. He was arrogant a little bit. Optimistic. Everything's going to work out. Like, I don't need mentors. That kind of thing. We drove to five. We met in the middle. And now we're both way more humble. We're way more centered. We're way more many of the good things, but that's because we've helped each other. So I think the issue is a lot of partnerships, they want the results for themselves, not just the company or not just the, the people. Like they want it for themselves. They want the money to be going into their bank account. So when it comes to what motivates Alan and I, 
Alan is mastery first, impact second, money third. I'm money first, impact second, mastery third. That's why we work out so well because we're opposite. We're opposite on almost everything. He is super long-term. I'm really good at taking action day to day. That's great. That works together. He doesn't understand emotionally driven people. I am an emotionally driven person, which is the masses. I can help in that way. So he understands strategic long-term thinking. I don't. I believe that I was matched up with somebody whose inherent strengths are my weaknesses and his inherent weaknesses are my strengths. And we always go back to it's for the listeners. What do the listeners need to hear? It's not about us. It's not about us. Like, what do the listeners need to hear? What episode will do the best? What is best for the mission? I don't care if it's my way or if it's your way. What is the best? What is the best? And everything is 50-50. Like, I might own 1% more of the business, but that's not what it's about. I don't care about that. That's not what it's about. It's about who can help us get to the next level in this moment. Alan, cool. Let's go with that. And let's see what happens. And I would say ego. I would say ego more than anything is just neither of us have an ego around each other. We joke and I call him small and he calls me small and whatever. Like we tease each other, but it's from a place of love. And it's, I don't care who's right. I just want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. How did you get to that point? And I think uh, since especially you guys are two guys. Like you guys are both have a lot of ambition and a high amount of masculine energy. How did you get to the point where you were able to check your egos at the door? For me, it's been understanding that Alan knows some stuff better than I do. When I met Alan, he was living the entrepreneur life. He had like a hundred and something thousand dollars in the bank. I was like, okay, this kid knows something or not when I met him, when we rekindled our friendship. So I don't know. I think I've been, I've usually been pretty good at listening to people who know better than me because it's like, I'm just, I feel honored to be learning from people who know better than me. And who am I to say you're wrong? Like you have way more results than I do. So you must know something I don't. And I think for Alan, I helped him a lot with vulnerability, which is something he didn't have a ton of. And now he's in his dream relationship. So I think we've seen the benefits of what the other person has. And now it's like, he gives me credit for helping him get his relationship. I give him credit for helping me find success. And I think it's important to remember that and not let the law of familiarity creep in with like, we're doing something very special and we both know that, but it's only going to be as special as we let it be. You know, we have to clear the junk. The junk is ego. Like we have something spectacular and we can do a lot of things with it, but only if we clear the corrosion, as our mentor Dave Meltzer says. I would say that. And then when it comes to my, my partnership with Taryn, it's her level of support for like what I do is ungodly. It's like, I don't understand how sometimes, you know, when we're broke and we can't afford something and she takes care of it or her being at my speeches or just the support, like the level of support that she gives me and the level of permission and the level of belief and the level of warmth. And it's just, I'm out trying to achieve and achieve and achieve. And she's my soft spot. Like when I, I can take my shoes off, I can take my armor off. I can just be, I can make dumb jokes. Like I need that. And uh, she's my home. When I come home to Taryn, that's when, that's when I'm goofy Kev. When I'm out, I'm 
grinding and trying to achieve and trying to win. And it's, I'm very masculine when I'm away. I'm way more feminine around Taryn because I'm just, it's warm. It's safe. It's home. That's how I am with Spikey. Well, he is the one person that like, I just like, he, he'll always say that I'm the most masculine energy, but feminine woman that he's ever met. Cause like, <laughs> I'm all about the sparkle and like hair, nails, high heels, you got it. But the vulnerability and the intimacy and the quiet moments and the, the need to be, to be held and to feel supported, like that's what I get from him. And it's, it's just the level of support and also seeing him as a fantastic dad is like just the greatest thing that I could have ever asked for. And it gives me that fire to then go through the day and do the things that I love. Cause I know I have that, that side that I can really just completely strip away any of my strength that I can, I can lay that down and I can just be fully vulnerable, raw and open and know that that's accepted a hundred percent. I feel that. I feel that. So Kevin, I would love to lean into a little bit of rapid fire. Sure. If you are down sure. for it. All right. So who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? Favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? I would say Rose in Titanic because she has every reason to be super ego driven. And when she starts hanging out with somebody who's not, I feel like she gets humble very quick and, and falls in love with somebody who by all standards, she shouldn't. I love that. And she's so brave. You just cited one of my favorite movies. Titanic's ever. my favorite. Like it really? is. Really? Oh yeah. I own it. Oh. One of my favorites. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I fall for, you know, cause when I taught the masterclass for next level university, like Titanic metaphors are my jam. Mm -hmm. Cause I studied that ship, not as much as James Cameron, but <laughs> like I became, I was obsessive 10 to 13 was a the three years of Titanic for me. <laughs> so what woman would you want to trade places with and by trade places? I mean, like live in her body, experience her world as her feel her thoughts and how she processes and make decisions for a day, just for a day, who would you want to trade places with? I would say Oprah. I'd love to see like what her life is like. And I'd also like to think the thoughts that she thinks. I'd like to like be in that brain and see what that's like and see the level of like impact. I mean, the level of impact you could have in a day is, is amazing. I would say Oprah. Awesome. What would you define to be your kingdom? My kingdom is me in the studio in front of a microphone in talking about stuff that I love. That's, that's my 10 out of 10. Amazing. If you were to have your success at twice the speed, what would you have done differently? Delegate quicker. Delegate what specifically? Stuff that I don't enjoy doing. All the stuff that I don't enjoy doing or the things that I'm a bottleneck in. Because at the end of the day, I, Alan and I are the bottlenecks in our business. It just is that way because That's we're the, every entrepreneur, <laughs> right? So really, like literally everyone, right? I think dropping the ego and letting go of the things that it's like, look, I know you feel like you have to control this, but let somebody else do it because you can always improve it. If you're the bottleneck, just let somebody else do it because you're holding yourself back. 
Yeah. And lastly, how do you crown yourself? Honestly, I think I could do a far better job of crowning myself. I think it's when I'm high or low emotionally, I look back. I recently did a post 100 episodes, 300 episodes, and 600 episodes, just pictures. And 100 episodes in, we were at Alan's mom's house in his sister's room podcasting. 300 episodes in, we were in Alan's mom's basement podcasting. 600 episodes in, we have our own custom podcast studio with three TVs and cameras and all that. For me, I reflect and I say, oh, wow, you've really come. I know it's heavy and I know maybe it doesn't seem like you've made a lot of progress this week, but when I'm crowning myself, I'm looking back saying like, okay, yeah, you've really done something. You've really done something amazing and you should make sure you're giving yourself credit for that but also continue doing it because you're not done yet. Kevin, where can we find you? How can we work with you? How can we support the Next Level University and your podcast and listen to all the gems and wisdom bombs that you and Alan have to drop and all the amazing guests? I mean, like their guest roster is so many podcasters dream. And these guys have gone forth and conquered like the warriors that they are. So where can we find you? How can we work with you? Uh, So anywhere you listen to your podcasts, we are there Just search next level university. We're also in 4k on YouTube, every single one of our episodes. If you're a visual person and you want to see me making weird faces at Allen, uh, we have a website where we have everything under the sun group coaching. We have courses in production. Now it's next level universe com because it is the universe of things. And I do mindset coaching, but I also, one of the things I've leaned into and really love doing is I help podcasters. So 99% of podcasters don't make money and 75% of podcasts die. Like out of the 2 million that have been started, 75% are already done. If you want to grow, scale, and monetize your podcast, I'd love to help you do it because we've done it from the ground up and we know a lot of the, the things that really matter in the long run. Awesome, Kevin. As always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now. Till next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crown yourself now, or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.